The room is relationships. The room is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about?、Uh, the room is different cookie cutter、mm-hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to the Room Minute, the podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room, one minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Allison. Hi, Rob. Oh hi, listeners. We were here to talk about minute three, but as I've, as you've already heard a couple times, minutes one through three are quite cursed and have many problems. Minute three, the opening credits end, and we enter the room. Babe, I've have something for you. Oh, hi, David. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Robert. Hi, Allison. Hi. Yeah, the the minute. I mean, it starts with Tommy on the cable car, of course.、Uh, we get the shot of cable car in Grace Cathedral,、uh, and Tommy, as producer, he gets to decide his screen credits, and he gives himself three in a row here instead of a combined credit for writer, producer, and director. Whether or not he directed it will come up many times. <laughs> So I won't talk about it in detail here, but yeah, Sandy Shaclair, who was officially credited as script supervisor, claims that he did most of the actual directing and wrote a whole book about it called "Yes, I Directed the Room." Also, Sandy Shaclair suggests that there was never a completed script that anyone on set had; only Tommy ever had it. Greg Sestero's version of the story suggests there was a completed script at some point before production because Greg read it. But I think Tommy was rewriting constantly and adding stuff so much that they basically had like a few pages at a time to make a script. And Sandy Shaclair was actually piecing it together into a complete script as they went. Yeah, it had to be an ongoing work to get such a great script. Well, right. It's actually similar to the way they wrote、um, Casablanca. They were rewriting the script as they filmed. When I found that out about Casablanca, I was like, "Wow!" Because that's like considered one of the greatest films ever. Also,、know? Star Wars. Yeah. Sometimes you have to do that. I might went to Hamilton, the musical. Okay. I guess that's different because that's a musical. Yeah, but also musicals do work that way. That when they are workshopping it, they are rewriting and rewriting as they go. They have songs that they end up cutting before they make it onto like proper, like Broadway show and that kind of thing. Because you got to figure out your energy, figure out your actors. I think the difference here was that Tommy probably never, and you can correct me on this, Rob. But Tommy probably never really ran it by anybody.、Uh, just supposedly Greg, I think, was the only one who'd actually read it. Which is funny because aren't actors usually handed a completed script? Yes, or at least they have their scenes. If it's like some movie where you have to like keep certain endings secret. I think once actors get to the point where they have input on the story, they get a producer credit. Yeah, usually. <laughs> But even that. The credits are up to the, produ- the producer. So the shot of the、uh, cable car、mm-hmm. uh, is it, it tickles me because、um, I was lucky enough to get to work on the latest Terminator movie when it came to San Francisco、uh, for a couple of weeks, and we shot a scene on that exact street corner of a helicopter chasing another helicopter down. I think it's California Street, California Avenue, and then going over a cable car that was parked at the intersection. So I spent a lot. Of, I spent a long day on that corner. <laughs> <laughs> you know that corner very well. Yeah, we we played around on the steps of Grace Cathedral one day when we were there, but never went on cable car. 
let's see, I have notes here on the cameras, but we've already talked about that either before or after this. Pick hmm. one, two. There, I hear you. We just get into the scene when he enters. Yeah, hold on. David's having an audio problem. As happens with minutes one through three. First. <laughs> I'm glad it's not me this time. I hear typing. Who's typing? Not me. That keyboard is mic'd. <laughs> It's like some really weird Foley. Like sound effects. <laughs> Just observing the interior of the house and taking notes while. <laughs> okay. While this is going I'm on. Back. There you are. Yeah. <laughs> we got some great typing sounds. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. I just, as I was talking, I heard this like, uh, anyway. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, uh, yeah. Should I tell that story again, or did the Discord get it, you think? Yeah. Uh, you, tell it again. That you spent a long day on that block? <laughs> yeah. Tonight oh. corner? yeah. We get, I think we got it all. That one. Okay, yeah. I think we got it. Okay. All right. Uh, so we go from the cable car to Broderick Street, the 3400 block, to the exterior of the apartment building where most of the film will, well, most of the story will take place. The film was, of course, taking place at that soundstage at Burns and Sawyer in Hollywood. And you get the director credit, directed by Tom Lusso. Uh Now, in the script, I may have mentioned this in a different minute. I'm not sure anymore because, as I said, minute three has gone weird. Uh, the opening line in the script is not the same as in the movie. We start with the scene of Johnny waking up to go to work. And it starts with Lisa saying, I am not a slave here, am I? Mm. Before Johnny asked her if she liked last night. Which is weird. I was going to say, yeah, that's an odd line, but then this is the movie we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Lisa says, yes, I did. What time do you have to be there? And the scene gets to, like, similar to what we do see when Tommy gets out of bed. Uh, except we get some arguing about the promotion. Uh, Johnny asks, where's my coffee? Lisa gets out of bed says, what time do you have to be there? And he says, I, and he's yelling. He says, I told you many times, 9.30, I have my promotion to think about. And she says, promotion, promotion, that's all I hear about. Here's your coffee and English muffin and burn your mouth. Okay. Uh, yeah. So start out angry. Yeah. A little tense. Oh my God. Yeah, Johnny's response. Uh, old man donkey lets me know today. I have to think about our future. Uh, so yeah, he calls his boss old man donkey. Just something normal humans say. Yeah, so we start with a weird argument, and it's written as if their bed is right next to the table where they have breakfast. But the original script has problems like that, like uh when Lisa first calls her mother, the scene starts with her, I believe she picks up the phone to call, but it, but it ends with her walking her mother out the door. And so like it didn't line up in the original script. Details were a little off on how the staging would be. Yeah, I don't think most people eat right next to that with their bed. Yeah. <laughs> with the spiral staircase going up to the bedroom, it'd be very odd. Yeah, once they had the two-story set up for this, it changes the whole way a lot of it takes place. Because 
I mean, it's called The Room, in which case most of the action should have taken place in like a very small apartment that maybe was like that, has a bed area off to one side, has like the table more like a large, um, like a loft or something, which since he also envisioned this at one point as a stage play, would have worked yeah, that would make as sense. a set, since it's all one big space and other characters come in and out of it. I was thinking a couple days ago about, like, why is it even called The Room? It, well, it's essentially that. It's it's like The Room is this comforting... It almost should be called The Apartment instead, but that also depends on Tommy's background, like where mm-hmm. does it come from, because, you know, like, used to be a, a room for let add or whatever. And I don't even know if that would be like that British thing. I don't know. <laughs> He's not British, but it's like a translation of a Polish thing, maybe. So he thinks of the whole apartment as the room to live in. But this is that room where everyone comes. Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name. It was also at one point called The Neighbors. In uh, Philip Haldeman's comic, My Big Break, he says that when he went to audition, it was called The Neighbors. On sound? Yeah. There's a lot of cutting in and out. Um, okay, like if you're still talking, I can hear you. I heard that. <laughs> Did you hear me say I heard that? Okay. Okay. Not hearing anything. Basically, I heard you say I heard that. Yeah, I heard you say I heard that. Yeah, you lost me in there. Where are we? Oh, the actual opening scene. Sorry, didn't um, you said that this is really called The Neighbors? Didn't didn't he have another show called Neighbors at some point? Yes, almost came later. Happened. (laughs) No, it did happen. It It was even on Hulu for a little while. Oh wow. And I believe I own it on DVD. I've seen a couple episodes of it. It's a much worse version of this, <laughs> where like he's like the landlord of this apartment building, and there's all the weird, wacky characters coming in and out. And there is throwing—I think it's a basketball, not a football—that gets involved a few times. Have you got a good idea? Keep going. Keep going. With it. All right. <laughs> you know, you mentioned it. it was intended to be a stage play, and and it really sounds like it would have worked a lot better as a stage play. With the, you know, Maybe. the one big room and people coming and going. Yeah. And then it makes more sense that people walk in and out because that's how a play goes. You, people come in, it's their scene. They have to leave for their scene to end. So it would probably feel less awkward. Yeah. There's a lot more suspension of disbelief in plays. So. Yeah. So for the actual opening scene, well, second 19, Johnny opens the door and you can actually see a car parked outside through the crack is the Burns and Sawyer parking lot. I'm not sure if otherwise we're supposed to think that they live on the bottom floor of that apartment building. I always took it to mean that. Maybe. And the the one thing that isn't very clear in the, in the movie, we know that probably Denny lives in the same building, obviously. Greg is supposed to live in the same building as well, which is why he hangs out on the roof. And I suppose Peter does too, since he also goes up on that roof. So it is more like the neighbors, and it's all these people that live together. I'm sad that I'm not going to be on a minute with the roof, because that's such a wonderful set. (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe in the Burns and Sawyer parking lot with some walls set up? Yeah. Even though they had access to a roof in San Francisco? Yeah, but you ever try shooting dialogue on a roof in San Francisco? Good luck, man. Well, they had to ADR a lot of their dialogue anyway. Their parking lot was next to, (laughs) what, it's not La Brea in Hollywood. It's a busy street. Point. And they the shots of the city from the roof were filmed on the roof of Tommy's building in San Francisco. We haven't gotten to the actual scene as it happens, though. Johnny does, of course, come home and surprise Lisa with a gift with one of the, a classic opening line. I think you already said it when you came in, David. Hi, babe. I have something for you. Yeah, it's a hell of a first line of dialogue. <laughs> it, it establishes the character. This is how he's going to talk. This is who he is. And the first thing we get is him giving gift to Lisa, so it, it says it tells us about the relationship. Yeah, I, I love the fact that he did the same trope of in, in movies and TV shows that nobody actually wraps a gift. They have these, they wrap the box and the lid separately, so you can just take off the lid. Yeah, <laughs> which you can get that done at fancy shops where they'll wrap things for you, but I've never actually seen a gift wrapped that way in reality. I think I'm going to do that from now on. It's nice. You don't have to rip anything. You just open it. I just do it once and keep reusing the box. What's weirder is not that people wrap it that way, but that other people open it that way. I would look at the gift and not assume it's wrapped that way. I'd just rip it mm. and be like, why isn't this working? <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, he's giving her a dress, and she asks if she can try it on now, and she goes to try it on. And that's basically this minute. Um <laughs> It's not much. It's our last establishing shot with the apartment before we go in, and then we meet them. It's better than the scripts. Yeah, it's better than the opening script scene. What the? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I'm not a slave. Doesn't even I? mean. <laughs> Must prefer the high. Well, right. And he doesn't even answer her, so it's it, it's like a non sequitur. Like she just wakes up every morning, and she just she just wakes up every morning. <laughs> yeah, Maybe that's she how wakes up every morning. morning. Existential horror. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is the Lisa of the script. Is Yeah, she's having an existential... It's an existential horror film for her. Like, um, am I a slave here? She doesn't even know if she can leave. Go outside. That's why she just calls people. Has them come over. Yeah, <laughs> she's not allowed to leave. The dialogue here... I mean, granted, obviously the dialogue in this movie is... Front to back is is terrible, but... Even in the first minute of dialogue, they just keep repeating it, right? I have something for you. What is it? Just a little something. And then, should I try it on now? Sure, it's yours. Wait right here. I'm going to try it on right now. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, this is this is serious first draft stuff. <laughs> and it's not even uh, like multiple take problem like with the pizza scene later where she asks if she should order a pizza and then and like asks about the promotion and then you get a different shot. Where she says, oh, you didn't get the promotion, didn't you? And it feels like it was two different takes that they just were kind of ad-libbing almost the dialogue. This, it's, I think it's the same shot. Because <laughs> she says, I'm going to try it on right now. It's like, uh Something weird going on. Do you not talk like that, though? Do you not just repeat? Oh, I always repeat what someone says <laughs> in my <laughs> sentence. Like how you said we're going to record, and I'm like, okay, we'll record yeah. now then, and you know. Any other notes on the content of the minute? Um, I took some notes on the interior 
of the house. Oh, we'll get that all over know. the place. <laughs> what do you got for us? <laughs> what do you have? <laughs> so there's lots of colors going on. Mm-hmm. I noticed that an orange artwork, but it's just like solid color. Let me see. I'm trying to get to Yeah, it's like wavy. It's in second 25. You see pink and orange artwork behind him, and then yeah. you see that there's like this weird pipe pipe thing going down the wall. Yeah, these, these co- co- it's like a column, but it's not a full column because the back of it's cut off, but so it can like rest against the wall, but it's not actually against the wall. There's a gap. It's this apartment is it's, it's like someone had some weird idea of what a well-off person's apartment would be. F- decorated like it's an ugly apartment and then there's <laughs> and then there's a red wall and red curtains because sure, you know red's the color of love Eps, color of passion build a set for a short film that i made a while back and i went to the dumpster and got free buckets of paint because basically they take the paint that people leave at the dumpster and they mix it all together in different buckets and then give it away. And so it's like random color, purple-ish, and this feels yeah. like that. <laughs> Reddish. Yeah. The leftover paint. Yep. Well, buy the cheapest paint you can. That's what it looks like. I mean, candles everywhere. Mm-hmm. Not as many oh. down here as upstairs, but... Yeah. Remember, yeah, when I was in college and trying to seduce girls, man, candles was the ticket. And there's that one candle that uh, I think they may have only had one where it's the the wide circle with three wicks huh? and we see it downstairs we see it upstairs like a couple times <laughs> it moves around like they really like the look of that candle candles and spoons are the way to a girl's heart take note <laughs> candles and spoons well you could literally get to a heart with are you guys still there yeah I was muted for a second <laughs> Anything else? I think that's it. Notes for the midnight screening. Uh, then for notes from midnight screening, uh, we get Tommy, of course, finally. So people scream Tommy. When they get to directed by credit, you get lots of applause. <laughs> and when he says he has something for her, they ask, is it a pizza? And he says, it's just a little something. Someone will say, it's a pizza. And she actually says that it's beautiful before she has looked at it. So someone in the audience points out, you haven't eaten it yet. Makes sense. Uh, she says, can I try it on now? Someone says, no. And when she kisses him, someone will say, ew. They say, ew. But the reason is because he's kissing her, not the other way around. The audience loves Tommy, does not like Lisa. <laughs> Which, the last note from the midnight screening here is the is a big one. And we'll get back to it next minute. As Lisa comes down the stairs, with every step, the audience is going boom, boom, boom. Because, of course, Lisa's a huge, huge. Bad, horrible thing. Was that, is that the, the gag in the audience screening? Oh, totally. Yes. <laughs> I was actually, at first I was like, oh, they're being kind with the pizza thing. Because I wasn't even thinking it was like a fat thing. I was almost shocked they didn't say, is it a dress for a fat person? <laughs> is it a pizza? But then I realized that's not joke. The audience is not nice to Lisa with the boom, boom, boom when she walks or when she kisses Greg, you get the om, om, om like she's trying to eat him. Now, it is our first Friday show, so David, you get to offer up the first bad movie worth watching. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. Bad movie. 
right, so first up, I, you know, besides the room, where do you go? But uh, I think the obvious one is Troll 2. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot out there, especially in the last decade where people are doing this kind of intentionally. Uh, but this Troll 2, like the room, was another one of those, like, woefully misguided auteur-led fiascos. You know, the guy, I don't think he spoke much English. Right. And, uh, and he just hired a bunch of non-actors in the middle of nowhere and, uh, just the, you know, the plot's bizarre, things come and go with no, explanation but yeah it's it's a joy to watch the great thing about troll 2 is yeah it's an italian director who's coming and working in small town utah with a bunch of mormon non-actors but also his i forget it's wife or girlfriend she was a producer and writer wrote it because she just realized a whole bunch of her friends have become vegetarian that bothered her <laughs> <laughs> so that's why the trolls turn everything into vegetables so they can eat them Oh, that's funny. And so it's like the trolls turn everything, although they're not even trolls. This is important. They're goblins. There are no trolls in Troll 2. Because Nilbog is such a subtle... <laughs> but my problem with the, the basic plot, though, is if you're turning a person into a vegetable to eat them, you're still eating a person. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no moral value to that. <laughs> right. Um, and then there's this random witch who's just hanging out somewhere. <laughs> And seducing teens, you know? And it's weirdly sexual, and the main character's a kid, and it's very innocent. It's a, it's such a bizarre tone yeah. movie. The, the, the weird ghost of the grandfather's coming and going. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the opening, one of the opening scenes with the, with the older sister, she's like, you know, leotard clad, lifting weights, and you're like, yeah, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. <laughs> and then later she just does a dance in front of a mirror. It just happens. People get seduced over popcorn. Oh, right. She's, <laughs> she's got the ear of corn that she turns into popcorn. Uh, yeah, and, and then of course, the, the documentary made about this best horse movie is, is required watching. Oh, yeah. It is, it is so good. And it's, it's great to see how much, like, the main guy that is a dentist who was hired to play the father and how much he has spent ever since just promoting this, just randomly. He'll just tell his <laughs> patients, yeah, I was in a movie. <laughs> He's so excited about it. Oh, man. He knows it's horrible, but it's, hey, they still made it. <laughs> Which is, it's a lovely thing. Lots and lots of green goo. Yeah. Yeah, they turn people into vegetables by turning things green. All of their foods have green frosting on them. Kind of reminds me, have you guys seen um, Bad Taste, Peter Jackson's first movie? Long time ago, yeah. Yeah, there's a scene in there where, because the aliens invade this small New Zealand town, because of course they would, and they eat all the people and they turn them into this green goo in a big bowl that they pass around and slurp out of. <laughs> turn, turn people into goo. That's, uh, yeah, Troll 2 is, and also unlike a lot of bad movies, Troll 2 doesn't get boring in the middle. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of bad movies that they're like, one I recently watched for the first time, finally, is called Dangerous Men. And it's this foreign director. You know, that's a classic bad movies thing from like the 80s. Foreign director comes to make a movie in, in English and doesn't really understand it. And it starts with one plot. The movie took 26 years to make, I believe it is. Like, he just kept filming new parts. And the main plot gets forgotten 
the opening, like, ten minutes of the movie is one of the best things ever. Because it's jumping around from these different scenes, introducing characters, and I knew what the plot was. I've seen YouTube videos about the movie, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? Because it's just introducing random new plot lines and having, and then it just got boring for like 40 minutes. I was like, oh, that's so sad. But that seems to be the hardest thing for a movie to do is to remain interesting in the middle part. Even, even good movies can yeah. drag a little bit in the middle. Because, yeah, you, you, you make it long enough to be a feature and there's a section in the middle where it's like, either you gotta have a bunch of extra twists and turns, which is too much, or you gotta just be straight through and then it gets a little boring if you don't do it right or don't have the right actor. I did want to offer a bad movie worth watching that is worth watching all the way through. Dangerous Men is great, but it's so boring in the middle that I can't recommend it. Um movie called Last Vampire on Earth is my recommendation for this first week. Um it's essentially it's as if a low budget filmmaker tried to remake Twilight. No. With bad actors. With bad actors who are college age. Um, and spoilers, the girl, the girl has AIDS. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> no, in the in context, it's hilarious because she gets to, she gets to yell at people with a gun pointed at them. Like, like, cause the vampire is in college, even though he's been alive for a long time, because he wants to be, uh, it's called a hematologist, where he works on blood. And so she has this great monologue where he wants to cure diseases, diseases like AIDS, which you might not care about, but people who do, people like me who have AIDS care. Like, oh my God. And I don't know a lot about guns, but it didn't look like a realistic gun to me. And when she didn't have her finger on the trigger. Yeah, she didn't have her finger on the trigger. And they just kind of have it in a cabinet. On a napkin. Like, that's the <laughs> place for their gun. Yeah. <laughs> this is where most people store it, especially people with young children, as this family has, yep. is, you know, where you keep your food. You have yeah. your cereal box, and then you have your gun. But a, a good bad movie has great lines in it, like, like you know, Troll 2, like, you can't piss on hospitality. It's still a, it's a great line. And the kid literally pissed on the food that was left out for them. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that part. And and her entire rant about him wanting to cure blood disease is wonderful because she's these religious people have him tied to a tree and are gonna kill him <laughs> because the little boy said he's a vampire. <laughs> they just believe it. The proof was um him throwing up the chicken. Yeah. He couldn't eat fried chicken, so <laughs> it must be true that he's a vampire. <laughs> Uh, like, no, honey, he's playing a vampire in a play. And he's like, but he threw up the food. Yep. And he has to be for real. There's just no way. Let's kill him. Um, I own, do I own Troll 2 on DVD? I should. Oh, I don't. I do own Last Vampire on Earth on DVD. Yeah, Troll 2, Last Vampire on Earth, great bad movies worth watching. Both entertaining all the way through. They don't have boring middles, which is great. Um, David. If the listeners want to hear more of you, where might they hear you? All right. Well, so I do a couple of podcasts, uh, one of which is another minute-based podcast, the uh, Airplane Minute, where we uh, dissected the movie Airplane one minute at a time. 
Um, and we are continuing right now. We're in the middle of recording the second season where we're tackling the top secret movie. We skipped over airplane two for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually, we started with airplane rather than Kentucky fried movie and some other folks have tackled Kentucky fried movie. So I'm look, looking forward to hearing that one come out. I also do a podcast called Sequel Harder where my co-host Eric and I look at a whole movie series that started out good and got terrible along the way. And we started off with Die Hard and we've covered a whole bunch of stuff. So you can find all that stuff uh, wherever you get your podcasts or over at neozaz.com, which is our uh, hub for all the podcasts that we do there. But it's nothing wrong when people make fun of the project, in this case, The Room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening. And remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us! <laughs>